We, we're so thankful that you are here tonight. This is a very special year, and of course, it began as a, as a desire of three churches that at one time were, were one church, and they had a shared history. And the Lord just said, why not share a destiny? Amen. Not just a history, but a destiny. And we're so thankful for every apostolic pastor and church that has gathered here today. God bless you in the name of Jesus. And year after year, we come together to celebrate the name of Jesus. But you know, it's not just one-time celebration, but this is indicative of what we're doing all year long in our respective parts of this great metroplex. Reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that we are collaborating together to do something great for the kingdom of God. And we're so thankful that you are here and we are so grateful that we have with us today uh, some very special guests. And we had invited them to be with us in August of 2020 and uh, they were not able to be with us and we were not able to have the service anyway. And so it worked out that they are able to be here in 2021 and when we talk about a champion for the oneness message amen everybody in this house has been blessed by the writings the teachings the ministry the leadership of dr david bernard and and we are so thankful that bishop and sister bernard are with us tonight he preached in this pulpit this morning a masterpiece of a message people who know god Hallelujah. They are strong and do exploits. Amen. We were in London, England with Brother and Sister Bernard, and uh, we flew in for the conference, and we're so honored to be there for the conference. And, of course, Bishop and Sister Bernard were honored guests at that particular meeting. And uh, you know how it is when you land on another continent? You kind of come in limping with jet lag. And I couldn't wait to get through that first service. And then the next day, I was going to try to rest up a little bit. Bishop and Sister Bernard were not going to do that. They were going to catch a plane to Nairobi, Kenya the next day. And they gave such uh, total commitment in that service that night, even looking to the next day where they would be on a different continent preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I stood in awe then and so many times at the commitment of this couple as they travel the world leading the international body of the United Pentecostal Church International, millions of apostolic believers around the world. And uh, we are so grateful that they have taken the time to be with us in Cincinnati, Ohio. We love them and we honor them and we are so grateful they are here. Bishop and Sister Bernard, God bless you. Thank you. Let's do receive them with a warm hand clap of appreciation. Bless you, sir. Praise the Lord, everyone. Oh, can you give the glory to God? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise your name. Amen, amen. If you'll just remain standing for another minute, I'd like to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 while you're standing. It's certainly great to be here in Cincinnati at the One Conference, Pastor Ellis, and are you the presbyter, Brother Ellis, and uh, also Pastor Urshan, and then the host pastor, Pastor Sizemore. It's great to have fellowship with all of these men of God and their wives and their families and all of you. It's just, it's great to have fellowship. I think this past year has shown us technology is great, uh, but nothing replaces fellowship with God's people, live and in person, praying with one another. Amen. Amen. I'm glad my wife is able to be with me tonight. And I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and verse 5. The Apostle Paul's writing to a church he started on the uh, continent of Europe, Greece. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want to preach tonight faith in the power of God. Let's have faith that God will demonstrate his power by pouring out the Holy Spirit in this place tonight. Would you believe with me? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
Now, before I get into the heart of my message, I want to say, in this time of uncertainty and struggle and fear and doubt, division, polarization, conflict, socially, politically, racially, every way, medically, you name it, it seems like, uh, the, it seems like the devil is inciting conflict. And if we're not careful, that could creep into the church. We must be intentional about loving one another. Regardless of the differences, real though they may be, what unites us is far greater than anything that should try to divide us. We are the people of the name of Jesus. We are the people of the Spirit. We have one destination, in, that's heaven. And when we get to heaven, we'll all be gathered around the throne. People of every nation, every language, every tribe, every race. The book of Revelation depicts it. All of our individuality will not be obliterated into one neutral color. We'll be who we are. But yet, all of our differences will be united into oneness of worshiping one God. We have only one God, therefore we ha should have a vision of one people of God. Now, we can worship in different congregations, even in different organizations. But as far as worshiping God in spirit and in truth, preaching the new birth message, pursuing the life of holiness, we must be one people of one God. Praise God. The United Pentecostal Church International, of which I serve as the general superintendent, we're not the body of Christ. We believe we're part of the body of Christ. We're part of what God is doing in these last days. But I just want to commend you. I mentioned it briefly this morning, but each of your congregations, thank you for your prayer, for your financial support, for supporting your pastors as they minister beyond the local church, as they participate in conferences and mission trips, as you participate in sectional and district events and Purpose Institute, all the things that we do together, it is making a difference. As we win souls locally and see churches grow locally, what we are also seeing is God moving internationally. So we are now in 198 of 210 nations, plus 34 overseas territories, 232 nations and territories. We have some kind of church present, a presence, witness, believer, even in Afghanistan. Pray, I can't even be specific, but pray for our contacts in that nation. So God is working behind the scenes as well as openly. And I'm excited to tell you that we're seeing great progress. Over 42,000 churches worldwide. We're seeing here in the U.S. and Canada, our home base, over 4,800 churches. And almost, I think it's 10,800 ministers at the present time. And so we're growing year by year. God is blessing us. And some amazing things have been happening. Where mainline churches are declining. And even big churches in COVID have been struggling uh, to maintain their operations. God has blessed us with consistent growth and progress, a sign of unity and strength. Several years ago, the Florida district set a goal to start 50 new churches. And in two years, they started 52 churches. This year, North Texas district, which is a relatively new district, they had their meeting in Dallas. The Spirit of God fell in a mighty way. An appeal was made, and a hundred ministers said they would either start a church or sponsor a daughter work. They want to establish a hundred new churches in North Texas. And then they took up an offering to raise money to sponsor that. And then in a few minutes of time, they raised, I think it was something like $200,000, uh, $262,000 to support those hundred new churches. So something is happening, and finance is not the main thing, but it is a visible measurement, especially in this time to show us what can happen. And so our annual, uh, you know, last year when COVID hit, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. And so people were conservative, and churches were hunkering down and trying to pare down their budget, which is understandable. And uh, our offerings at headquarters went slightly down, but not significantly. But everybody's just kind of consolidating and retrenching. But, you know, this year it seems like the church is saying, you know what? We're not going to be bound. We're not going to live in fear. We're going to give. 
Because what else is there to give for? Everything we value could be shaken. But what is going to last is the church and our relationship with Jesus Christ. So if we only have a little time left and only a little money left, where are we going to invest it? We're going to invest it in eternity, in the kingdom of God. And so when we took our annual Christmas for Christ offering, which supports North American Missions Churches, Churches, we established in the midst of a pandemic an all-time record of $6 million. That's amazing. And then this spring, we had our annual Save Our Children offering for children's ministry, an all-time record right under $2.5 million. And then we just finished the ladies' offering, Mother's Memorial, all-time record over $4.2 million. And so something is happening in the realm of the Spirit. Everything the devil has done to attack the church, God is turning it around, and the church is advancing. The church is stronger than ever. People are united. People are becoming aggressive, saying, we are going to have revival. And it's interesting, in 2000, I was appointed as the first president of Urshan Graduate School of Theology, which was going to be a new school in the St. Louis area. And we started classes in 2001. We got accredited in 2010. 2012, we started Urshan College, an undergraduate uh, liberal arts and Bible college combined. And uh, we got accredited in 2020. Well, that first year, 2001, we started with 10 students. This last fall, just this fall, I'm talking about this month, we enrolled 546 students. You know, in a day, now I do believe in college, but in a day where secular colleges are enforcing very secular, liberal, anti-Christian values, it's great to have some institutions of higher learning that are accredited that our students can go to and they'll get solid apostolic doctrine while they're being trained for ministry or even for careers. So I'm just telling you, the church is strong. If you've been discouraged, well, be encouraged. If you've been in fear and doubt, rise above that. I heard one bishop say, everybody has fears and everybody has doubts. But here's the key, Bishop Morris Golder. He said, don't believe your fears, don't, uh, don't believe your doubts, and don't doubt your beliefs. Everybody has doubts, but don't believe your doubts and don't doubt your beliefs, and you'll come out on top. So if you've been frustrated, discouraged, in doubt, in fear, that's human, that's understandable. Even we preachers sometimes have those same feelings. But at the end of the day, go to God in prayer. And after you finish praying, rise up and worship. And after you finish worshiping, go out and do the work that God has called you to do. And you will be victorious. Praise God. Now that wasn't even my message. That was just extra. But my message... The Apostle Paul writing. And he had started the church in Corinth. Corinth was a very pagan, secular, immoral city. And uh, he reminded the people when I came to preach to you. In fact, if you go back to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. He said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. He said, I did not try to persuade you with eloquent speech. I did not try to persuade you with human philosophy. I came with a testimony of what God can do. And I just want to tell you right now, if you're a brand new convert or whether you're a seasoned saint and you don't feel like you're capable of matching wits with the intellectual geniuses of our day, you don't have to worry about it. If you've got a testimony and you've got the word of God that backs up your testimony, then you can share the gospel with anybody, everybody, at any time. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Well, that's in the book. Have you received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? That's in the book. You've got what the Word says, and you've got your testimony. That's all you need to convince a lost and dying world of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, I just tried to come. In fact, verse 2, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
I decided that everything I preached would focus on Jesus. That sounds simplistic. It's simple, but it's not simplistic. It's actually profound. If everything you preach focuses on Jesus, then what are you going to preach? You're going to preach there's one God. He created us to worship him and have fellowship with him. But we fell into sin. We broke the fellowship, seemingly thwarted God's plan. But God had more plans than that. And so Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is actually God manifest in the flesh, was born into this world as a human. He died for our sins, was buried, rose again to reconcile us back to the one true God, back to himself. So that's the good news. If you preach Jesus and him crucified, you'll preach there's one God who loved us. And that one God came in the flesh as Jesus to save us. But you won't stop with him dead on the cross because Jesus is not hanging on the cross today. He was buried and he rose again. He turned death into life, defeat into victory. By his resurrection, he won victory over death, hell, and the grave. And he brings that same victory to us today. But you won't stop with what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. You will apply it to your life. As the apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, we die with Christ. We're crucified with Christ in repentance. We're buried with Jesus Christ in water baptism. We rise to new life through the gift of the Holy Ghost, God's spirit to dwell inside of us and give us new life and power. So if you preach Jesus... You'll preach the gospel, but you'll also preach the new birth experience as our response to the gospel. But you won't stop with being born again. That's the beginning, not the end. In the book of Galatians, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified to the world. I'm crucified to the flesh. What does the crucifixion of Christ mean for us today? Not only the initial time of repentance, but it also means that we live a new life. That we no longer are going to follow what the world says. We're not going to let the culture dictate to us. We're not going to let our own flesh dictate to us. But instead, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to pursue holiness. We're going to have a new life. It's going to change everything about us. From the way we dress to the way we talk to what we say on social media. It's going to change our relationships. It's going to change how we treat one another. Because we are crucified to this world. We're crucified to this culture. We're crucified to our own sinful desires. Desires, and we're alive unto God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So notice, if all you preach is Jesus and him crucified, you'll preach the one true God. You'll preach the almighty God in Jesus Christ. You'll preach the gospel of his death, burial, and resurrection. You'll preach the new birth of repentance, water baptism, and the Holy Ghost. You'll preach the life of holiness. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. So then Paul goes on to say in the text that I read, he said, I was, verse three, I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. And my speech was, preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. You see, he knew that if he came preaching with eloquence or preaching clever philosophy and convinced people he was right and gained some followers by those human means, that six months later, a year later, somebody else would come with even clever sounding philosophy, even more smooth and polished speech, and all of his converts would be turned away. But instead, if his converts were established by the power of God, then nothing, whether it be a pandemic or a hurricane or an earthquake or a political upheaval, nothing would cause them to turn away from truth because their faith is not in the ability of humans. Their faith is in the power of God. And that's what we need tonight. Now, don't misunderstand. Some would say, well, Paul put a premium on ignorance. Paul was against education, knowledge, training. Not at all. If you study his own life, he was trained at the feet of Gamaliel, the foremost rabbi of the first century. When you look at what he preached to Athens in Acts 17 to the Greek philosophers, he could quote from memory from Greek philosophers and poets. He must have spent a lot of time studying his secular culture. In a day when books were handwritten, very rare and costly, he got access to them 
either through a formal course of training. His home city, Tarsus, was one of the foremost in cities for, for secular learning in the world. And so he may have gone to school there or he may have taught himself. But he took time to learn his culture. You might say, well, why would you study pagan books? Well, he wanted to relate to the people of his world. So he had advanced training in theology and in secular wisdom. So he was not putting a premium on ignorance. What he was saying was this, no matter what you have, you need to dedicate it to God. Don't rely on your wisdom, your eloquence, your talent, your ability, but submit all of those things to the will of God. Because what's going to change people's lives is not your education, not your talent, not your ability. What's going to change people's lives is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, we were blessed by the singing and the music today. That took practice. That took skill. That took training. I commend them. They didn't just get up here and say, hey, what are we going to sing tonight? They planned. They practiced. They trained. They spent hours. I commend them for that. But at the end of the day, don't just expect to come out here with your talent and perform as a show. But you better pray that God anoints your singing and your music because only God's anointing will change the hearts of people. And I don't have to guess, but I know sitting on this front row, you've got some great preachers, teachers, and pastors. Can I get an amen? But I'm pretty sure they don't just get up Sunday after Sunday and say, what am I going to preach? What, 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 what scripture should I use? Uh, hey, get, just give me a verse over here. Now, if you did that, they probably could come up with a pretty good message. But I'm sh pretty sure they study and they pray and they take notes and they ask God. They need to do the hard work of reading, praying, studying. But at the end of the day, if they just come out with a polished manuscript and read it word for word, that's not going to help you. What they need is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That's what Paul was saying. Now, we've got a beautiful building here. It's wonderful. And Pastor Urshan, you're building a beautiful building there. That campus is, is going to be amazing. We have the best that, that we our society affords, and that's great. I've just told you how excited I am about the United Pentecostal Church International, but don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to get you to have faith in a beautiful building. I'm not trying to get you to have faith in the great Bernard, great Urshan, great Ellis, great Sizemore, great Buller. I'm not trying to get you to have faith in great names. I'm not trying to get you to have faith in the UPCI. No, I'm preaching your faith must be in the power of God. There's only one who is worthy of our worship, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one who can change your life. It's Jesus Christ. There's only one who can heal you. There's only one who can forgive you. There's only one who can deliver you. Put your faith in the power of God. Oh, let's worship him right now. What we need is the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. In the next few moments, we're going to see God pour out his spirit. Somebody's going to receive the Holy Ghost. Somebody's going to be healed. Somebody's going to be delivered. Somebody's going to get an answer to prayer in the next few minutes. Not because of who's preaching. Not because of what building you're sitting in. But because God is in this place. If you'll worship God. If you'll have faith in God. There's no limit to what God will do. If only you will believe. Oh yes, believe him right now. I want you to focus your faith on what needs to happen in your life in the next few minutes, or your friend, or your family, or your church, or someone who isn't even here. What needs to happen in the next few minutes? Have faith in the power of God. Now, we make faith more complicated than it needs to be. Now, if you get a headache, you say, okay, Lord, touch my headache. But if there's cancer, what are we going to do? I don't have enough faith for that. 
Maybe even my pastor doesn't have enough faith. Let me go find a radio preacher, TV preacher, internet preacher, some famous person of faith. That's all wrong. Because the power of faith is not in your head or not in the preacher's head. The power of faith is in the object of your faith, which is God. Now think about this for a minute. I was raised in Korea. My parents were missionaries there. I've gone to the Buddhist temple and watched sincere people stand before the giant statue of Buddha. They'll bring incense, they'll light candles, they'll bring offerings of fruit or flowers. They'll stand there very solemnly with all of their knees, raise their hands high above their heads. And they'll kneel down until their forehead is touching the floor. They'll stand up. They'll do that 50 times. That's faith. But you know what? I've watched every single time. They turn around and leave with the same sad expression. No healing, no deliverance, no forgiveness. The same problems are awaiting them at home. Why? Because they didn't have any faith? No, they had faith. The problem was the object of their faith was a man who died thousands of years ago and he's still dead and he's in the grave. The object of their faith is a giant metal statue that has eyes but they can't see. It has ears but they can't hear. So all the faith in the world produces no result. But now tonight, let's say if everybody in this room, you have the least amount of faith. You say, there's no way I have faith like my pastor has. There's no way I have faith like these wonderful saints. Okay, let's just say you're the person with the least faith in the whole building. But you had enough faith to come here. You do have faith. You're listening. Nobody hit you over the head and dragged you here. So, and even if you're online, if you're still listening, there's some faith well, think about it. If you had just a little bit of faith, but you put it in the almighty God, couldn't you receive an answer to prayer? Yes, you could. Because the power of faith is not in you. The power of faith is in the object of your faith, the God whom you have faith in. And when he's the all-powerful one, then something could happen. So all you need to do is start using whatever amount you have. In fact, Matthew 17, 20 tells you how much faith you need to have. A man came to the disciples. He had a son that was possessed with an evil spirit. He was afflicted by seizures. He was a great risk of falling into the fire or the flame and be injured or killed. And so this man in desperation brought his son and asked the disciples to heal him. The disciples prayed, but nothing happened. And Jesus came on the scene, Jesus, and uh, you can read the whole story. The man approached Jesus and asked for help. Jesus took authority. He cast out the demon. He healed the boy. A miracle. The disciples took Jesus aside and said, how come we couldn't do that? He said, because of your faith. He said in Matthew 17, 20, because of your unbelief. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say the mountain be moved and it would be moved and nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, what in the world did he mean if you had faith like a mustard seed? The mustard seed was the smallest seed that the farmers in Palestine were aware of. It's the size of a head of a straight pin. If you want to visualize it, just imagine I've got it here. That's what it looks like. It's inconsequential. If you held a seed in your hand, even a grain of rice or wheat or corn, one seed can't feed you. One seed is basically of no value. One seed can sit in your hand or sit on a shelf or in a box or in a bag for years and for all intents and purposes dead, useless. What's the value of a seed? The only value is when you put it in the ground. When you put it in the ground, that one dead seed suddenly starts living. It could produce a plant that could have hundreds of seeds. 
You could reap those seeds and replant them and you could end up with enough grain to feed you and your family for the rest of your life from the law of sowing and reaping. So the lesson is don't measure your faith or lack of faith by what it looks like at the moment. Don't compare with one another. Now, I'm not telling you to have little faith. I'm just saying start with whatever you have. Don't measure it, but start putting it to work. So if you only have faith to show up for this service, if you only have faith to pray, if you only have faith to come to the front, that's enough to get you started. You put it in the ground and it will grow. It will produce a crop. It will produce a harvest and nothing will be impossible to you. That means every single person listening to this message could receive an answer to prayer. You've got to put the seed in the ground. Now, why do we call people to the front? Do you have to come to the front to be touched? No, you could be touched in the back. You could be touched at home. Why do we lay hands on people? It's not essential, but it symbolizes God's authority. Why do we anoint with oil? It's not essential, but it symbolizes the Holy Spirit. What these things are as means of focusing our faith at a moment. In other words, if you only have little faith, you zero in on this one spot, this one time, this one prayer, and then that makes the connection. That's how simple it is. It's not a formula. It's just trusting God. Now, I could give you examples all night long, but I'm thinking of one. I remember years ago when I was pastoring in Austin, we had a full-time outreach director. He was a great man of faith. He was the kind of guy, he had the gift of faith. So somebody was sick, he goes, lays hands on them, and they're healed. Somebody's struggling to receive the Holy Ghost. People are praying, praying, praying. This guy goes over, he starts laying hands on them, boom, they receive the Holy Ghost. So, you know, Pastor Urshan, I'd like to, sometimes I'd be praying, people getting to repent. I'd say, hey, come over here. <laughs> and he'd come over, lay hands on them, and it just seemed like it just... They just could believe. Well, suddenly he was stricken with fainting spells. He would just fall out unconscious. He couldn't, he couldn't drive, couldn't work, couldn't sleep. Couldn't, he was distracted, confused. Went to the doctor. They diagnosed him with an enlarged heart. And they diagnosed him with um, a, a narrowing of the blood vessel that would at, at just any time shut off blood to his brain. So that's what was calling the blackouts. And they said, it's incurable. Once your heart is enlarged, it'll never shrink back. It'll never go back to the muscle size it was before. And once you have this particular, it's a genetic condition. Once you have this constriction here uh, in your blood vessel, it can never be opened up. No surgery, no medication. So they were giving him medication to help him, but they said no driving. So this, ha this went on for like three months. And he, he tried to work as much as he could, but it was just hard to focus. And I felt impressed with the Lord during that time. I said, you're a great man of faith. You have a ministry of faith. I believe God will use this trial to give you a certified miracle. A medical miracle with evidence that will increase your ministry of faith from now on. That's easy to say, but when you're the guy enduring this incurable condition that changes your whole life, but one night we had one of the services like we're having tonight. Such awesome prayer. And I just felt led to go over and lay hands on him. He told me later when he felt my hands on him, he felt like a current of electricity shot through his body. And he told me, I'm healed. He went to the doctor. The blackout stopped and never came back. He went back to work. He went to the doctor. The doctor says there's no evidence of an enlarged heart. There's no evidence of a constriction of blood vessels. You don't have either of those incurable conditions. His doctor was a Muslim. So he said, doctor, and I, I have in my files the two, the two different diagnoses. The, the first one, which in medical terms, says he has these two incurable conditions. And three months later, I have the, the doctor's report that says you don't have these two conditions. And so he said, doctor, what does this new printout mean of my condition? He said, what it means is divine intervention. 
that's the Muslim doctor's testimony. Now, if the preacher tells the doctor it's a miracle, okay, that's one thing. But when the doctor tells the preacher it's a miracle, that's a miracle. I'm telling you folks, have faith in the power of God. Have faith in the power of God. Let God be God. Put your faith in him. Matthew 7, 7. Do you know it? You got it memorized? If you don't, you're going to memorize it before you leave tonight. 7, 7. The perfect number of completion, right? You can remember that. Matthew 7, 7. It says, ask. What happens if you ask? It will be given. Seek. What happens if you seek? You'll find. Knock. What happens if you knock? It's open. If you've never noticed that, A-S-K, ask, seek, knock. You just memorize the verse. Many times, James says, we don't have because we don't ask. So tonight, we're going to ask. You say, oh, I've asked, Brother Bernard. Nothing happened. Well, don't give up. Seek. That's more aggressive, isn't it? You can just ask by holding out your hand, but seek, you have to get up and move. So in prayer, don't quit. Don't give up. Just keep on praying. We said, I've been doing that. Still nothing happens. Don't give up. Knock. That's more aggressive yet, isn't it? Now look, if the door is open, you usually don't knock. You just walk in. You knock because the door is closed. How many times God leads us, but then we get to a place where the door is shut? So we just shrug our shoulders. We give up. Okay, must not be God's will. I've had some problems. So obviously, if it was God's will, I would never have problems. The door is shut. Hey, maybe God wants you to knock on the door. Maybe God wants you to try the door handle. Maybe God wants you to push. Don't give up so easily because of the circumstances of life. You've got to knock until the door opens. Don't give up now. You've come this far by faith. God's done a miracle to bring you where you are now. Don't you think he'll bring you a miracle the rest of the way? Ask, seek, knock until it happens. You say, what if I die and I still haven't got the answer? Well, when you wake up on the other side, you'll have your answer. You can't lose. When you're living for God, you are going to win. Let's stand together. Faith in the power of God. What does the Lord want to do tonight? Have faith. I remember another man in our church. He had throat cancer. They did radiation, chemotherapy. It knocked out his immune system. He got an illness, had a stroke, went into a coma. It was at the point of death. Midweek service, I get the call. He had a heart attack. They... Shocked him back to life. But the doctors told the family, you know, he's going to keep having these heart attacks. Just sign this statement. Do not resuscitate. Let him die. Because what's going to happen, we don't know if he'll ever come out of the coma. He could just be like this forever. Or if he comes out of the coma, he'll probably be brain damaged. So the best thing to do is when the next heart attack hits, just let him die. So I visited the hospital and prayed with him before the night service. The doctor says he only has a 10% chance of making it tonight. If he does make it, we don't know the outcome after that. Could be in a coma, could be brain dead, could be disabled. So I, I felt something in my spirit. That night I went to the church. I said, now look, this man was in his 40s. I said, we need to pray for our brother. Now we know eventually there's a time when God takes everybody. We understand that. So if we pray and God takes him, we accept it. But our job is not just to say, okay, whatever God, whatever, whatever, whatever. No, that's not our job. Our job is to pray for healing. And then God does whatever God does. But our job is to have faith. So I said, let's turn the tables on the devil. The doctor gave me his best medical advice, and I respect that. He says, there's only a 10% chance he's going to make it. I said, what if we pray tonight and he's healed? Then I could go back to the doctor and say, hey, doctor, you gave him only a 10% chance, so 10% chance he got lucky, but 90% chance he must have been healed. That would be a pretty good testimony. 90% chance it was a miracle. So we prayed. He came out of the coma. 
He came out of the hospital. He went back to work. It's almost 20 years ago. He's still in church today. And he runs the aisles and praises God. He has a right to run the aisles. He has a right to shout. He has a right to praise the Lord because God is still healing and delivering today. Have faith in the power of God. Close your eyes with me right now. It's just a simple message, but grab hold of it. There's somebody tonight, and we'll respect social distancing. Do whatever you're comfortable with. Wear a mask or, or ask to be separate or, or pray where you are, kneel or stand where you are, whatever you feel most appropriate. But if you feel God drawing you and you have a definite need in your life, I want you to come to the front right now. Or I want you to invite somebody near, someone nearby you and say, would you like to come with me together and let's pray together? Might be your husband or wife, might be a friend. If you need healing, if you need deliverance, if you need to be forgiven of your sins, if you need to receive the Holy Ghost, if you're needing confirmation for a major life decision, if you've been depressed and discouraged, maybe somebody here has contemplated suicide, I want you to know the Lord can deliver you tonight. I feel a witness of the Holy Ghost. Would you make your way right down? No big hype, no pressure, no manipulation. But if the Word of God is speaking to you, Plant the seed in the ground. Just step out by faith. Just kneel or stand. Just ask a preacher to lay hands on you. Plant the seed in the ground, and something is going to happen. Have faith in the power of God. So much power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. Lift your voice and say, There is power in the name of Jesus. So much power. There is power in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost power. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every Sing it again, there is power in the name, there is power in the name of Jesus, so much power in your name.
I'm telling you that miracles are happening all over this building right now. As the body of Christ, we need to be sensitive to what the Holy Ghost is doing right now. There are miracles in waiting all around you. Don't hesitate to reach out and declare the name of Jesus just as Brother Bernard preached tonight. Come on, that's it. Reach out your hand to somebody. Hallelujah. Even if it's reaching your hand out to God, but there are miracles happening. Come on, up there in the balcony, begin to praise Him for the miracles happening in this house, all over this building. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over fear. We take authority over doubt. In the name of Jesus Christ, there is no room for it. In the body of Christ, God has declared His Word to you. Put your faith in His Word. Put your faith in His power. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, yes, yes. it let it rise let it rise come on if you have a need let it rise don't don't hold back let it rise that's it in the name of Jesus God's getting ready to deliver somebody right now God's getting ready to deliver somebody right now come on let it rise let it rise come on cry out unto God that's it cry out unto God cry out unto God hallelujah from the depth of your soul cry out unto God hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah, this is a miracle-making moment. God is among us, and he's doing a mighty work. I receive it in the name of Jesus. I receive it in the name of Jesus. 
People are praying all over this house. But if you're standing there today in need and you don't know what to do, I want you just to lift your hand. You have a need. Lift your hand. Come on, all across this house, look around you. Come on, body of Christ, look around you for those that have their hands raised. Come on, look around you for those that have your, their hands raised. We're going to agree and believe in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to agree and believe in the name of Jesus. Come on, look around you. Walk out of your seat if you have to. Hallelujah. We're going to agree and believe in the name of Jesus. Ah, for the miracle working power of God to be done. Woo, hallelujah. If you've got your hands raised, I want you to begin to lift your voice unto God right now. Lift your voice unto God. Come on, lift your voice unto God in this house. Yes, lift your voice unto God in this house. Come on, if nobody's come by to lay hands on you, lay hands on your own head like we heard about today. Lay your hands on your own head and plead the blood of Jesus and declare the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to wait till it happens. I want you to praise God for it right now. Don't wait for the symptoms to leave. Praise God for it right now. Come on, praise God for it right now. Jesus. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence, you never fail me. Yeah. Promise still stands, promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence, you never fail me.
see you to me.